We're not looking at leaping from current reality to somewhere else. Like we're looking at how, you know, metaverse can help us to enhance our, you know, current environments and make make our kind of a, this physical world better as well. So I see it more as an enhancement rather than evolution to something different. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Timo Suviela. Timo is the global head of brand design at Reality Labs at Meta. Previously, he worked at agencies like Collins and Wolf Olins. He was also the co-founder of agencies Kokoro and Moy and Syrup Helsinki and a partner at the footwear brand Tarvis. Reality Labs' work spans a number of technologies such as MetaQuest, MetaHorizon, MetaPortal and Ray-Ban Stories. They work in sectors ranging from entertainment and gaming to commerce, education and work. Timu sits in the creative intersection of product and marketing, and they focus on strategic and conceptual foundations for how these brands come to life in the space. He and his team develop brand strategies, design and identity systems, as well as brand elements and experiences. Their work sits at the very edge of this discipline, and they need to imagine how brands will be expressed in emerging environments, including some that don't even exist yet. Today on the podcast, we talk about the history of art and how this is the third time we've seen a return to abstractionism, how brands grow in this undefined space called the metaverse, and he shares the insight that he and his team have learned at the intersection of creativity and technology. Enjoy. Timu, thank you so much. Uh, we've, been, we've been working towards this episode for a long time, so it's, it's really, really good to um, finally get you on the show. Thank you. I'm I'm really happy to be here. You have such an amazing show and uh, and a cast of uh, guests. So uh, excited to be to be another one in in the mix. And uh, I think we're also catching you at a very good time. You've taken some personal time to sort of refuel and recharge, which is is really nice. And, and we get to sort of experience some of that. Um, now I know you know you you work you know in in the future with virtual reality and augmented reality and all of these sort of amazing things. But I want to start our kind of conversation back where, you know, you, you were sort of inspired when we did the pre-call and talking about the return of serialism and how kind of this is the third time this has happened, you know, the first time in the 1900s, then the 1960s and now it's sort of coming back now. Can you talk a little bit about why that's, why you think that is and what interests you uh, about it yeah 100% like it's 
There's something in this moment that uh, a lot of things, a lot of things are happening that are, are surreal, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah, if I go back to um, you know early 1900s, it was actually kind of a Dada as the first movement that started to kind of react, reacting to kind of the changing landscape in in everyday reality. Um, so there was an early kickoffs by Marcel Duchamp in. Uh, 1913 or so, and and then you know the Dada centers in Zurich and New York, uh, 1950s, 1960s, later in Paris in 20s, and surrealism can be seen as a uh, or can considered to be a continuation of Dada, um, kind of a when kind of Sigmund Freud's psychoanalytic um, work was also picked up by artists, especially with uh, with uh, Andre Breton who. Kind of advocated for all this free association and dream analysis and the unconscious in in general, in general, in order to um, kind of help to liberate new ideas and imagination. And uh, yeah, there in 1924, 24, there was a his manifesto of surrealism where he defined this term as a. Uh, as something that tries to resolve uh, dream and reality into an absolute reality, which was, you know, which is surreality, mm. um, and and both Dada and and surrealism were, were these reactions to similar things that we're seeing in our in our environment today. So, uh, one thing is science is and was pushing the boundaries of reality uh, back in the day. It was led by you know Albert Einstein and his thinking and uh, there's there was this new interest in mind and self and dream and the unconscious through you know Freud's work, but then there was a lot of like technological innovations such as uh, you know the radio transmissions and the airplane and talking motion pictures and color photography and and even the first robots and um, and surrealists like they were they were ones who were really picking up on new technology. There's a lot of films, a lot of photography work and you know they were kind of forefront of, of tech as well like very experimental in the very experimental the yeah yeah and very open like what what are the things that can be put together you know film and ready-made objects and, and whatnot um but then there were a few things like the the horrors of world war one were present uh the there was the continued pandemic the spanish flu in 1918 to 1920 or so 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 Interestingly, these few kind of uh, things that were kind of uh, in in the in the ethos at the moment that are very similar today, and um, yeah, so as as the reality was getting weirder and weirder, and sometimes even unrecognizable, the the uh, the art did the same thing, uh, abandoning <laughs> you know uh, a linear thinking, and and um, I think it's similarly to today. There was the, also the optimism around like how. It was not all, all negative. There was a possibility of transformation, like transformation of human and our uh, connections, and you know, uh, like how we uh, understand more of ourselves through through the kind of a psychoanalytic uh, work. And uh, so, I think that might get sometimes lost that there is the optimism that is kind of hidden in there, um, and uh, it's again seen in by the. Um, the adoption of of new technology as well mm. and and then when we look at like later like in in post world war uh two 
like the similarities that we're seeing to today are, I think it's like a threefold. There's like three directions where folks were going at that time and, and where we're going now. Uh, so there was the uh, outer world explorations, like going to the space, going to the moon. We have now, you know, folks looking at going to the Mars and, and even, even beyond. Yes, um, well, Artemis was, was supposed to launch, I think, last week, and it's exactly. launching in a couple of days. So we're going back to the moon. So the, yeah, the, the time the is moon. now almost the same. A hundred percent. And and then there there's there was the journeys uh, inside, uh, like looking at you know mind and the wellness and uh, understanding of uh, you know psychedelics and new therapy models and and everything like that's very similar to what's happening today as well. And then again, the the rise of new technologies. You know, the computer really started in in the 1950s, and you know, mass media, television, and connected networks. And now we're in a place where we're looking at, you know, what is the the next computing platform and and metaverse and so on. So interesting, you know, um, uh, similarities between these few moments in the last hundred years. I mean, I always find this this fascinating because I think as humans, as companies, as brands, we always believe that we are unique and special and mm-hmm. are, you know, kind of breaking new ground and doing new things. And when you speak to historians or, you know, anyone who has a sort of a sense of the past, it's these big sort of cycles that play themselves out. Mm-hmm. And while the metaverse and all the related technologies might feel strange, they are ostensibly the same thing just in a slightly different slightly newer format and the experience is still going to be very human and emotions are going to play out the same way and human behavior is going to mimic similar things that have come before exactly what's not changing is that we're going to be human beings like (laughs) in in all these times and we have the similar needs we have the you know kind of the core uh, core human uh, aspects they are they're not going anywhere it's less mm. you know the surroundings are changing and we're trying to to adapt and you know make some fun out of that as well that's super cool can you can you give us a bit of a sense of the the you, you went on sort of like a cultural journey through europe you mm-hmm. went to art basel and i think quite a few other other places can you talk a little bit about how you seeing this new tech this new thinking this surrealism sort of filtering into these more traditional sort of art spaces which are often the precursor to what's going to be coming in culture in art in music in fashion in all of these things yeah yeah it's it's really interesting in the last year or so surrealism has been picked up by by many kind of a culture uh players uh, out there and um i i saw few of them uh, during the summer. Uh, there's a great show at Tate Modern in London uh, called Surrealism Beyond Borders that is more of a kind of a wider look at surrealism as an international movement rather than just being led from, you know, Paris or, or a, a European hub. Um, so that's a traveling show that was in, in I think it was in the Met in, in New York uh, late last year. Um, but that was one thing, and 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 interesting. There was uh, uh, I went to Venice Biennale. There was um, one of the main shows called Milk of Dreams was uh, in the Central Pavilion, 
Um, and that show was taking cues from the dreamscape of uh, surrealist artist uh, Leonora Carrington and her, her stories. And um, so that was like a, a kind of a main theme in, in Venice Biennale. But also there was, a, you know, the Peggy Guggenheim Museum in, um, in Venice was also showing a, um, another uh, surrealism show that was looking more into kind of the, the uh, magic and kind of occult uh, connections that uh, surrealists um, has had uh, throughout the 1920s to 50s. Um, but then also, like beyond this, um kind of art venues uh i went to um salone del mobile in in milan in early june and even within the furniture design you could see kind of a commentary towards you know consumer culture and what's uh, uh, expected in in industrial design um uh, uh, through kind of a sur- surrealist approach it's like there there was a, a interesting <laughs> mixes of elements that you don't normally see together like a chair that's part uh a tennis racket and part you know something (laughs) you sit on and um you know it's just like very very similar to things that you could have seen in the early early 1900s so that was that was interesting that was the the ideas around surrealism and um absurd were kind of like already moving out of the the art space to to other places I mean, like it sounds fascinating, and it's interesting to hear because, I guess, having having spent a lot of time observing kind of the art and creativity that's happening in kind of Web three and the brands mm-hmm. that are being built, there is a little bit of this sort of strange oddness, surrealism, escapism playing out in those visuals, and I think people like Gucci and Tiffany's have sort of caught onto that a bit and sort of experimented with it a little bit. So it is starting to bleed out into mm-hmm. to popular culture um, a little bit. Um, can yeah. you can you give me like I'm very interested because you work you know at at Meta and you're kind of on the inside of so much of this technological development. Um, and you know, I think you've been having a lot of these conversations. I'd love to get your definition of what the metaverse is. Like, how would you describe mm-hmm. the metaverse to to the listeners? Yeah, I think there's been many attempts on that, and and honestly, I've changed my my personal definition of of the metaverse as as you know more information comes our way and we understand like what can happen. But to me, it's how I'm currently seeing it, it's the it's definitely the next evolution of the internet, but it's a uh, three dimensional, more immer- immersive and embodied version of it that is pulling virtual worlds and social media and you know layered utilitarian information and and much more together. Um, but yeah, like think of like how I'm thinking of it is as a um, you go inside the internet versus you're looking at the internet through a window, let's say, like your mobile screen or, or, or your laptop. Um, so that's kind of a, my definition. However, even though I'm talking about the windows to, to metaverse versus uh, stepping in, you know, those windows are not going to go away. Um, we still will be using, you know, 
the uh, the desktop uh, computers and and mobiles for for a long time and and in in many cases in general during technological leaps and developments there a lot of things are just moving together in parallel and they overlap for for many years and sometimes even even decades so so that's that's something interesting that was something to to keep in mind so but that's like more on the how how metaverse can feel or how i define like how it can feel and how we uh are, are in it but then the other things that are that i often call out is that um it's also a uh, a new big step for uh connection with others uh collaboration and 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 creation and then also for us as human beings it's a new place to play and and learn and and work so those kind of six things are uh, uh, aspects that I often want to want to bring up, and um, yeah, and what's also important is this is all coming together in real time. So you know, metaverse is not about a recording; like you're you're there interacting real time with spatial audio and even haptic feedback, and uh, you know, and an explosion of opportunities with with avatars. Uh, like that's that's just going to be a kind of big part of part of the metaverse. And um, yeah, and lastly, how I'm seeing it, it's an open ecosystem. It will be created by many. It will have many different um, versions of itself uh, in in parallel uh, across many different platforms. So um, it's it's exciting. We're very early on uh, on this journey. So think of it as like the, the early early moments in internet without like too rigid rules and uh, you know a lot of uh, opportunities. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, you know, in our work, we're seeing so much experimentation and people getting things wrong and people getting things right. And <clears throat> somebody gets something right and that sort of births an entire another kind of like era. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Snowfro created art blocks, you know, and mm-hmm. that created the Chromie Squiggles and that birthed the entire generative kind of art NFT scene. And those have had spinoffs into AI art and, you know, it's just, each step sort of creates a whole nother thing that I think nobody has seen coming or can see coming. But I like how you think about the different spaces that it can, you know, like occupy. Because I think if you mm-hmm. start trying to pin it back to the real world, it starts to feel more tangible. Like, how does this affect the way we work? You know, you and me are sitting across the world talking in little square boxes. What does that feel like when we are more? in it when we are more kind of connected to it i think that becomes quite quite interesting because you lose so much you know you can only see kind of my chest and up you know so you lose Mm -hmm. all of my physical kind of cues and humanness and i think in a way when the technology when the technology catches up you know and it becomes more ubiquitous and easier to use and less kind of disorientating that some of the earlier experiments have been then suddenly you can experience that in a more real way and i think it does Mm -hmm. open up interesting opportunities for work for play Mm -hmm. for association you know i mean um, imagine covid with people who are separated from family being able to almost experience them in their space you know i think these are the things that people are, are striving towards which is very exciting yeah, 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 and and the importance of like nonverbal communication, like that's just gonna. There, there's a lot of studies and research on that, like how that's uh, you know starting to become more important, and 
uh, or is important in in these uh, experiences and uh, um, you know having uh, an eye contact like all that will matter a ton uh, and which is you know the technology just needs to get there to to make it feel natural and and real but yeah it's 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 gonna shift uh, a lot of different things hmm. so so I'm interested because you kind of you've got quite a wide background um you know and at the same time you also have access to you, you've exposed yourself to all this art and all this philosophy and all this thinking but at the same time when you go to work you're exposed to very very smart people who are building things like the oculus and pushing the technology and i'm sure you've seen all sorts of things um that that people outside of meta might not have um and i know you're involved in the the rebrand of of you know facebook to meta can you kind of talk about how you think this stuff the surrealism this this escapism this new technology this wave is going to affect branding and how brands should be thinking about how they approach this and how they experiment in a space that is quite undefined and has infinite potential but also no clear path no no pre-worn tracks that people can follow yeah 100 percent um yeah what will happen is metaverse will accelerate the the rise of uh you know surrealistic fantasy shaped ideas across brand design as well um so um you know shape-shifting and three-dimensionality and dynamic forms and very unique, even abstract compositions with uh, mesmerizing color changes will be every day in in many areas of of visual creation and and design. Um, And I also believe that maybe even brand strategies will become even more fluid and resilient as a lot of our environments um, go there uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I believe that design in general will become very limitless, um, uh, giving more people uh, the opp- opportunity to step into a role of a designer and craft spaces and objects and their uh, uh, identities and appearances to express themselves in many different times and many different ways simultaneously often. Um so that's an interesting thing that will happen, like the openness to 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 more uh, more people. Um, I think the AI tools that are connected to all things metaverse will will change, like how we do design, and and will be adopted in in brand design and help us to push our imagination and even design capabilities further. Uh, we will see where this goes. It's kind of exciting to see how uh, Mid Journey and, and Dali, like all the exploration that people are doing, like where that is going and how fast it has already uh, improved from what we saw a year ago. Um, mm. So the um, the the speed of of uh, progress is is even to me it's it's surprising. Um, I think with the AR work. Um, when I'm looking at us as designers, the curator side of, of design will strengthen. Uh, we will need mm. to be better curators um, 
and uh, have have a lot of uh, uh, knowledge and, uh, uh, and and a clear vision what needs to happen and what we want to do. Um, so, but I think the AI tools will help us to focus on the kind of big groundbreaking ideas instead of getting lost in the the weeds. Even though that's mm. sometimes important, just to getting lost because you don't know what you'll find and 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 that there's uh, uh, there's value in that. Um, and um yeah i think in production um just like producing uh our artifacts there's going to be uh pushes by by the metaverse uh for visual culture and design um i think a good example is uh what i've seen in in fashion is um how metaverse metaverse aesthetics are pushing on you know, hyper bright colors and saturated uh, colors uh, uh, to real life as well. And together with like new nanotechnologies that we're seeing in color creation, uh, we'll push these these limits in in real life as well. Like we're gonna be seeing colors in print and in clothing that's different what we saw a few years back. Whether it's a uh, these hyperbrides or uh, very black blacks, and uh, that that's going to be that's going to be exciting and uh, open up new opportunities. Mm. Um, I think that's that's cool. There's this like idea that you can experiment in a a freer space mm-hmm. where the technology allows you to try things and break things and do stuff, and you know people can sort of open their minds up and then the ideas sort of suck back into the the kind of real world. So as people fiddle around with the stuff and like it, then it starts to sort of affect our physical world around us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's not new. I think Jules Verne and people like that almost defined what we believe in is space travel. And I think some of the rockets and some of the things we've built are almost designed influenced by how they talked about it obviously there's fluid dynamics and all these very kind of complicated things that go into that but i think the people who are imagining the rocket in the beginning have a sense of where to start because of something that they engaged with in science fiction that now sort of influencing the real world yeah i i agree 100 percent. and i think a big thing that's needed in both science fiction and then making science fiction real is this sense of optimism in general like and i um you know i have a lot of research that's that's looking at like how there's almost like forced optimism in in this moment right now like we've been you know with pandemic and everything like all, all the tragedies we've have had had in the in the last few years like they they are pushing people to a place where they are craving for joy and optimism and that that's kind of coming through in colors and playfulness and and fashion and and um you know we'll see like that's gonna that's gonna be uh, a bold place to go and optimism is hard in hard times like it's it's hard to be optimistic when 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 things are not you know going well um so uh, you know I think it's a really bold to be one, um, and you know I, I would encourage everyone to try to find 
you know some of that in in their practice as well i mean i think that's you know, this like i want to combine that with something you said earlier you were talking about the idea that brand manuals or, or brand design brand strategy is going to become more fluid now i know that some of the people who own brands and and try and kind of use things like a brand manual to control them and the scope and where they go like how do you like how would you shift someone's thinking that you know now this is a more experimental place a more optimistic place where you can get things kind of wrong which i think to a lot of brand managers especially for kind of larger corporates would be you know, completely terrified at the idea of almost letting go of that control and ceding it to a larger group of people who can create anything they want. How would you go about convincing someone to think about that slightly differently? Yeah, I think it comes down to like really having strong values for that brand and kind of the core, those core basics to be in place, which will allow you you to be more more open and even open up the brand for the people who actually create the brand because that's going to be the the customers like the brand is is something that forms in their minds and in their heads like they should be also the the ones who are you know creating the brands and and we we see a lot of this in in places like metaverse platforms where you know people are are invited in to be part of the experience or, or build the build the experience so um, but yeah, I think it comes down to that, uh, you know, making sure that the core positioning and values are in a, in a great place and that allows uh, more more freedom to, to explore and experiment. I mean, uh, I think it's really interesting, you know, Artifact and people like Jeff Staple were making these cool 3D objects and a lot of them ended up being sneakers that were very similar to Nike Air Force Ones. And instead of, um, I think, fighting back and pushing back, Nike was just like, okay, we'll we'll just invest in this company and take a, a controlling stake in it because where you're pushing our brand, even though we didn't ask you to, is a very interesting, exciting, and refreshing place for us to, to be. So the, they didn't have to as a company pay for the setup of that and the energy and the collection of talent, the the people just did it themselves and then they could step in and go, well, we can actually work together on something. And Mm -hmm. they've actually done some really interesting work beyond, beyond that. So I think there's some test cases and some examples where this has worked for brands who are bold enough to kind of embrace it and not try and control it. So the other examples that you can sort of think of that people could, could, kind of latch onto to sort of wrap the head around this yeah i've been thinking quite a bit like okay what are the what are the opportunities for designers in this in this new world and i've been trying to look at it you know from different angles and the and the places that are, are dear, dear to me um well first of all it's a it's a wild frontier like uh, there are no best practices yet uh, <laughs> no rigid approaches like mm. if we look at let's say you know, web design, like in the early days and, you know, everything was possible. You could just like do anything. And now we have like UI, UX principles that are kind of leading a lot of the expression of, of a brand or experience uh, to certain places. And and we've, we've maybe lost uh, a bit of that uh, exciting exploration uh, mentality. 
Um, but I, I've seen, for example, type design. I, I love love type design personally. Um, just looking at how the continuation from uh, variable type can uh, uh, or where it will go in 3D environments. Um, what if AI will be embedded into dimensional texts um, and signs and and, and symbols? Um, like what if what if the uh, a symbol or a piece of text understands like if you're too far or in bad lighting conditions in in a metaverse environment and you know makes improves the legibility or maybe even changes the the language knowing like where where you're coming from. Um, so that's going to be like really exciting for uh, for type designers. Just beyond like what are the what is the future of letter shapes in dimensional environments mm. where where also interactions matter. Like how how do you interact with um, messaging in dimensional space where it, it can carry like a lot of information. I also love uh, that it's also potentially not static. Like it can well, nope. change yep. depending on context and time mm-hmm. and who's there and are there three people there? Are they all seeing the same thing? Is it all slightly oh, different? It's very fascinating. Yeah, and, and this applies to to all brand and communication design, like how everything needs to have a dimension and everything needs to have emotion behavior and, and even sonic qualities. And what is the kind of meta level information that is tacked into every single piece of a of a brand identity uh, system? Uh, it's it's going to be really important and it's going to be fascinating. And uh, I think designers will need to also um, tap more together with storytellers or become storytellers mm. more themselves. Um, like how. Uh, just beyond the kind of the general brand narrative, like how we can have more complex and layered stories in in uh, in in our designs. Like, let's say uh, um, if if you have a uh, you know a pill shaped element uh, made out of some sort of metallic material in in metaverse, what is the what are the adventures the pill can share with you as you interact with them? Like where it's been, like what like all that is is fascinating uh it's just like layers and layers of 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 levels where you can go go with this um but yeah i think um as you said like dimensionality and you know the the factor of time uh you know those are going to be big things in in brand design Mm, i also think it's it, it it calls for either a widening of discipline or a a deepening Mm -hmm. of collaboration, because it's not just that a designer can now execute this. There's, there's a 3d component to it. There's a technical component to it. There's a, a data streaming component to it. There's a security component, like all of these things now start to sort of collide into one space, which means the, the product either needs to be created by somebody who's who's multi-dimensional or a team yeah. that is multi-dimensional it's it's, it's a much more think, challenging space but like i guess the opportunity is also much larger i think you you got it there like saying like it needs collaboration i, I think that's the thing like we need to collaborate more and fortunately like all these tools that are being built will enhance collaboration. We'll be able to collaborate with people across the, the globe more easily and feeling that we're in the same 
same environment and working on uh, on a shared project together. Uh, so that's that's definitely going to help in order to kind of go after these uh, these kind of exciting new opportunities. Mm. Um, if if I if I can talk about like another area that's just like dear dear to me, you know, architecture and and kind of product design um, and the opportunities that are happening there, because I feel like you know, at least in architecture, I, there are some players that are ahead of the game already. Um, there's um, there are virtual cities and housing and headquarters that are already being created by by architects. There's uh, uh, the Danish architect Bjarke Ingels and his company Big. They've created a uh, um, uh, for Vice uh, Media. Um, I think it's called is Vice Land. Is is mm. they kind of a uh, um, innovation space in the metaverse. Uh, Zaha Hadid architects—they've been working on virtual cities. Beyond, like they started with NFT galleries and then went to like now they're building this kind of a really complex, um, complex systems, and uh, that will also generate more work. Like as we start to work on more complex things, you know, we're going to be needing urban planners. Like how how do we think about the virtual cities? Uh, to from from a planning like urban planning point of view, how we make yeah. everything function seamlessly in these new environments that uh, improve the the visitors or citizens' lives in these new digital spaces. So that's that is op- opening and uh, new collaborations between designers and um, engineers and and then you know people with uh, social study backgrounds and understanding like how these systems can and need to work uh so that's you know very loft very lofty very big challenges and opportunities that we have but i think it's it's interesting because generally i think urban design big architecture building your own headquarters is things that are sort of reserved for the fortune 500 companies you know most most small companies don't really have the opportunity to to affect the physical world on that that scale, but I think part of the opportunity of this unlocks is there's no reason that nice work can't have its own city. <laughs> like yeah. the only thing no. stopping me from that is me actually just getting a team together and building it and putting it out yeah. there, and then we get to engage in all of this. Yeah, they've been like uh, you know smaller galleries and 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 artists um, uh, entities that you know put together their own uh collaborative spaces on on a platform somewhere and hosted openings and you know had like thousands of people come in and just like expanded their reach and found new audiences and uh that's that's exciting to see like uh, exactly as you said like you don't need to have like massive machine in order to build this or you know big corporation and you know the tools are getting better as well uh in order to to go to these places. Mm. Now, I mean, it's it's interesting. A lot of people talk about kind of Web three metaverse NFTs. Like this is a bit of a a movement. And I think coming back to where we started about sort of art movements, it's it strikes me that often something is only really defined, you know, once it's done it won't you know like once people have kind of been in it for a long time or even moved on to the next thing where do you think 
this movement is going? Where do you think, you know, for brands and companies and, and things, where do you think this all kind of ends up in the next five, 10 years? Um, yeah, there's a, well, similarly as with the 2D internet, like we, we cannot know in advance, like the, the, uh, in the final importance of, of it all, especially to our global uh, economy. Uh, but there's been some predictions by, you know, Bloomberg and McKinsey. They released some of their predictions this summer around, you know, that metaverse could grow up to five trillion in value by 2030. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's such a big, let's call movement that it's, it's, it's going to be around. It's going to be a big player in, in, in our, in our lives. It's just like how it's, how it's going to do that and how we're going to interact with that. And, uh, what are the different, um, uh, UIs, UX, uh, experiences we're going to have, have with it all. And what are the important important areas of uh interaction in there like let's say um a lot of the um metaverse platforms have been built from from gaming and they run on on gaming platforms but on on the mckinsey report um the largest economic force is is uh, e-commerce like taking mm. more than half of of that like five trillion dollar um uh dollar force and then there's uh virtual learning and advertising beyond gaming in 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 their uh studies so um that's you know those are those are things that we can predict something on and and uh we see companies and venture capital doing investments uh in in these new uh, new places and not just not just gaming um i think this year the investments have been more than more than double than the investments were for metaverse uh last year total mm. i think also the technology i mean the iphone's new lidar camera is amazing and mm -hmm. it's super easy to fiddle around with and that unlocks a whole bunch of potential you know i think yeah i guess it's it's exciting and and for me the, the message i hope to get out there is to to all the people big brands, small brands, big companies, small companies, like the opportunities are there. I think the risks right yeah. now are quite low because it's unestablished. Nobody knows. So if you do something, it doesn't necessarily work. You can chalk it up to just an experience. But if mm -hmm. you get in and you experiment and you play now, you can be ahead of 99% of the other people who haven't yeah who are too scared to sort of try they're waiting for it to formalize and then they're like okay then i'll step in and i think at that point it'll be harder and more expensive to to be noticed and to do something interesting that other people can kind of engage with yeah and and to like adding to your kind of list of of the entities that you know will will benefit from a lot of this it's also the individuals themselves like when i'm looking at you know learning and education and connection in general and the op opportunities for different perspectives to come through you know voices to everyone um so that's that those are like huge things for just like from an individual point of view and and one thing that i've looked at recently as well is like what what are the good things for the planet um within within all this and there was an interesting um uh piece of information that i 
found around uh, twinning, like creating twin versions of of buildings or cities in the metaverse in order to plan in the best possible way, you know, how to control, um, I don't know, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the temperature in, in buildings, like where to put the solar panels to get the most out of them. So it's, it's this um, kind of game-like uh, uh, environments that I think Hong Kong International Airport, like they did this uh, year or two ago, like they built the whole airport within a, a 3D environment just to do a lot of lot of planning. And uh, if we can get like to really in, to really granular level on many different places around, mm. you know, what are the materials we should be choosing for for also the the real life the the, the products and and places in our real environments like. You know the, you know metaverse and three D environments where we collaborate. They they can help with those things as well. I mean, I love we started this conversation talking about kind of art movements and how they play out, and I think it's interesting that this whole conversation leads to the fact that this is an extension of the real world into a serial world and that opens up experimentation and thinking and play. And that ultimately comes back to affect the world that we live in. And it becomes this sort of cycle, which is, is quite interesting. And, you know, I think the opportunities are there and the use cases are there and it's quite exciting to, to watch it all unfold. Yeah, I think that's exciting. That's really exciting. And that's something to keep in mind as well. Like we're not, as you said, we're not looking at leaping from current reality to somewhere else. Like we're we're looking at how you know metaverse can help us to to enhance our you know current environment and make make our kind of a this this uh, physical world better as well. So I, I see it more as an enhancement rather than a, a, you know evolution to something different. Mm. I think that's such a great note to end on. Um, Timu, thank you so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully one day I can come and visit you and see some of this technology in action. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We'll catch all of you in the next one. Bye-bye. for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.